a few different texts today, um, which I'm going to read for us. If you've got your Bible and your phone, I'm just noticing the Bibles aren't out, so sorry for that. Um, but if you've got your Bible and your phone, maybe you want to take that out. Um, and um, firstly, I'm going to read for us from Luke chapter 13. We want to make your way there. Luke chapter 13, and ver- starting with verse 18, which says this. This is the parable of the mustard seed. Then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. He also asked, what else is the kingdom of God like? It is like the yeast a woman used in making bread, even though she put only a little yeast into three measures of flour. It permeated every part of the dough. Let's pray together. Lord God, we ask, uh, we ask for your presence as we unpack uh, your word together. I pray that we can hear it clearly. And I pray that we respond to your invitation to not just hear it, but to live it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Uh, Before I um, head into uh, what I've prepared to teach on, I just wanted to say, uh, well, especially if you're here, uh, add my welcome to Steve's if you're here as a guest or you're here for the first time. Thank you for your patience uh, as we kind of try to facilitate gift day. It's all a little bit clunky and you're making space for something you don't normally have to make time and space for. Uh, So I massively appreciate your, your generosity. But if you are here as a guest, Uh, I want to thank you for your patience. Um, I wanted to do something slightly different as we wrap up our vision uh, series, uh, which we have been looking at throughout the month of May. I want to retrace my footsteps uh, from the past three weeks. We've been talking about what motivates and inspires us. We've been thinking together, reflecting on what our sense of what God is saying to us in this season as a church and where God is calling us to build and invest for the future. And that's exciting, and it's challenging. It's exciting, and it's challenging. Vision, it's not just about seeing things differently. It's not just creating or clarifying a, a picture of our preferred future. It's about being willing to live differently too. And that's why I think it's in equal measures. It's exciting, but it's challenging. It's not just about shapes in our thinking, but ultimately it's about shapes in our living too. And this is why I've included this mustard seed text every time that we've taught in division this month. I come back to it again and again and again. One of the lesser known facts about mustard when Jesus taught, on this, taught this parable in particular, is that it was forbidden. It was off limits. No Jew in their right mind would ever have planted mustard in their garden. Do you know why? Because if you plant mustard, pretty much all you end up with is mustard. So they were told to have nothing to do with it. Because once it gets in, it takes over. How radical Jesus was being. 
comparing the way that his, the rule and reign of his kingdom broke into the earth with this thing that just takes over. I love that. And that's what Jesus wants for our lives. He wants it all. There's that great, the famous author C.S. Lewis puts it this way, that Jesus looks at every area of human life and screams, mine! He wants to be on the throne of our lives. Not us. He wants total surrender, not just partial. He wants a wholehearted yielding to him, his will and his ways. And he's calling us to embody the entirety of his life in ours, not just the parts that we like. I've said this a few times. It's not like pick and mix at the cinema. When we read the Gospels, and look at the life and ministry of Jesus. We've talked about this a few times now. There is a very clear shape, look, and feel to the life of Jesus. So anytime we're thinking together about what does it look like to replicate that or to embody it in our own, we have to start with this. We see these three words, come, thrive, and go. Come, thrive, and go. Jesus was constantly withdrawing. He was, he was leaving, leaving the crowd, leaving his community, and withdrawing to spend time with the Father. And then he was building and sharing his life with other people. He was totally immersed in community. Jesus was not a one-man band. And then with that, he was going in mission to the world. We see him constantly with the crowds, where he's teaching and he's performing miracles and calling other people into the work that he was doing there. And it's these three elements. I think that, they're found, they're, that they are the foundation that we need to keep coming home to. And this is what we're called to own. This is what we're called to sow, like that seed in the mustard story, This is what we're called to sow into our lives as well as into the life of our community. To be a people who are coming to God, into God's presence, thriving in relationships and going in mission to the world. This is how Jesus lived. It's how he shared and built his life with other people. And it's the path that he calls us onto as we follow him with our lives here in 2019 in the power of the Spirit. And every conversation that we've had since the 5th of May has been largely centered around these three words. This slightly puts slightly different. And I know that these words matter to you as well because you gave them to us. Since we started out in our, through the defining vision process at the beginning or right the way through 2018, All of your input from all the paperwork that we did led us back to this exact same place. Encounter, family, and compassion. We asked you to describe St. Catherine's to us. These are the five words that you used to describe St. Catherine's most. That we are a family. Not just this kind of loose grouping of people that gather in the same place. We're called to worship and encounter. We've, you've said that to us. 
You know and you have sensed this call to be a loving people, not just meeting for our own need, meeting our own needs, and to be a welcoming community. And when we asked you what you wanted more of, this is what you've said. More worship, more of the prophetic, more Bible reading groups, more writing and recording of worship songs, more connect groups citywide, more short courses, more communication, here comes the anomaly, more notice boards, and more help navigating the big faith questions, more local outreach, more mission, more reaching young local people, and more prayer on the streets. This is the kind of clarity that we've been waiting for. And in terms of uh, looking to the church to support us financially, this is the stuff that we're going to be using. All of the money that you've gifted and have pledged and have offered, we're going to be putting it back into all of these things. It's the adventure that God is inviting us onto with him. We're called to love God, to love one another, and to love our city well highlighted by these three key words, encounter, family, and compassion. But what does that all mean? What does it mean to pursue encounter? What does it mean to nurture hospitality and family? What does it mean to practice compassion? Well, that's what we've been unpacking and we're closing out today. Back on the 5th, we started out by reflecting Um, We started out by reflecting on the temptation that we will find and have found to let God and the pursuit of God's presence get sidelined as we engage with this changing spiritual climate around us. And however countercultural it is, however contended the space around Christian belief is in our changing spiritual climate, we are called to pursue the practices of worship and prayer and study and, and silence and retreat and simplicity and of being immersed in the scriptures. However old-fashioned we're told the Bible is by our current culture. On the 12th, then, we thought about and taught into the healing of commu- community and of family. And God's choosing of family as one of the primary means for working his purposes out here on the earth. And we thought about what it means to open our own homes as places where people could find Jesus, find community and transformation and healing. And however countercultural that is, However disruptive that is to our time, we're so incredibly busy. We don't always have time for community. However disruptive that is to our resources. I don't know if you were here on the day we talked about that interesting story of when these group of friends bring their sick friend to Jesus and they're pulling the tiles off the roof. It was incredibly disruptive. We can easily forget that was a family home. The kingdom of God advancing in a family home. And we've heard what last week was like and what we spoke into about the gift day. And again, thanks for your patience. But this morning, I want us to reflect on what it means to practice compassion. And I want to read another text for us, this time from Matthew's gospel, if you've got that open in front of you. 
Matthew's, Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. Starting at verse 35. The need for workers is what you should have in front of you. So let's start there. Jesus traveled through all of the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said this to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. So, such important words there. He's in charge. I love that. And ask him to send more workers out into his fields. There's two important insights that I want to uh, lift from this text today. Two words in the top left and the two outcomes in the bottom right. Two words that I think ultimately lead to a change in us and then to a change in the world around us. And it all starts with this word that Matthew uses for compassion in verse 36. The text says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now, I actually, without meaning to, spoke about this text a few weeks ago. And it was reminding us of that this isn't one of those Disney Jesus moments. This isn't compassion like tilting the head to the side and going, oh, there, there, pat, pat. The word that's used here means to be moved in your guts. This is a totally different type of emotion altogether. When's the last time you were moved in your guts? I can remember the last time I was moved in my guts, carrying my father's coffin up the center of a church in Hoth. I could smell the pine just beside me and the weight of the coffin on my shoulder. And I can remember reaching the back of the church and feeling just absolutely sick to the pit of my stomach, thinking, I don't want to do this. I don't want this to be the situation I'm in. It was just pouring out of grief, and as I made my way into the church with all my friends carrying Dad, I was thinking, gosh, is that sound coming from me? It was this deep, deep groaning. Oh! Moved in our guts. This is what Matthew is trying to connect us to here. How moved Jesus was by people. Is still moved by people. It's a beautiful, if we needed to be reminded, another deep, wonderful insight into God's heart and what he's like. This text is all about, it's about motive. A friend of ours talked about the, when it comes to God, the, the, the fuel in the tank is love. 
For God so loved the world that he gave, he sent. This is, about the, this is the change in us that I was talking about earlier. God's heart in us, owned, sown into the soil of who we are, moved in our guts to see injustice, struck out, moved in our guts to see housing for the homeless, moved in our guts to see the sick healed, to see those who are caught up in addiction set free, moved in our guts to see broken families made whole, to see those who are outside of the church to come inside, to see those who are far from God to come near to him and to know his life and peace. And the list goes on. God's heart in us, planted and sown into our lives. And the second word is the word that Jesus uses here for send. In verse 38, the text says, Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers out into his fields. The word, this word that Jesus uses here for send is particularly interesting. It means... Thrust. It's not a static word. It's a very, very, very action-involving word. Thrust. And commentators, the study that I've done around this, the, the, the thinking is that it's, it's a word designed to, to, you know, to speak to workers who are already out in the fields to light a fire under them so that they become more aware of the ongoing work and need around them. Thrust. What this reminds us is that we don't get to love God and keep him to ourselves. It means that we don't get to love God and keep, it, keep our distance from the poor. It means that we don't get to love God and keep our distance from those who are seeking him, the lost. We don't get to love God and then keep our comfortable existence. Because like the, like the mustard seed reminds us, it's, it's his kingdom, he wants, to, he wants to take over. Change within us leads to change in the world through us. Compassion sends us, or in this case, thrusts us out from where we're tired and weary. Compassion thrusts us out from where we become maybe indifferent or lethargic. It's one thing to pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, to send more workers out. But it's another thing, it's another thing completely to be willing to be the answer to that prayer ourselves. Back on the 5th of May, we were talking and teaching about encounter and about worship. And as a part of that sermon, we looked at a passage from Exodus chapter 33. And in that, in that text, there's a prayer that Moses prays. Lord, show me your glorious presence. It's a great prayer. And I want us to be a community that is praying that prayer. <laughs> Lord, show us your glorious presence. But I also want us to be a community that prays the words of Isaiah. Here I am, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. 
I want us to be able to pray both those prayers with equal determination and passion and commitment. And this understanding that we are all sent is hugely important for our thinking, St. Catherine's. It's something that Jesus speaks to directly. This time I'm going to just look at the text. You don't need to open it. But in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says this, Peace be with you. Well, that's hugely encouraging, isn't it? As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Peace. It's not just peace for us, but it's the call to be willing to bring peace to others. We learn something, I think, incredibly important here. We have this unique insight, certainly in terms of what the scriptures tell us. Something of a window of insight into Jesus' own self-understanding. He knew, he understood that he had been sent by the Father. And then right there, alongside it, we get another unique insight into what Jesus' sense of, and the way he sees us. We're sent. We're sent as well. In the same way Jesus was sent by the Father, we are now sent by Jesus. That's not something that we pick and mix about. It's absolutely central to our understanding what it means to follow Jesus with our lives. We are sent. What Jesus essentially is saying is that every Christian is a missionary. Every Christian is a missionary. That doesn't necessarily mean that we all have the same gifts of evangelism, but we're all called to be evangelistic believers. When prompted, we find ourselves in a situation or a circumstance where we might be called to share our faith with somebody else. That's not just something that a few people do. It's something every Christian should be willing to and able to do. It's not just for the keen ones. The faith that God calls us to live out We're called to live out under the noses of the very people who are outside of it. Not locked away in a room somewhere or in a building somewhere where we just gather together for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. That is not church. Churches, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's all of life. I want to close by reading you this amazing story uh, of these two people here. This is John and Jesse Perkins, this newly married and freshly commissioned missionaries. They boarded a steamship bound for the coast of Liberia in 1908. this, This is the story. They knew that God was calling them to Africa, but they didn't know exactly where God wanted them to go. So they bought tickets and trusted that God would tell them where to get off. As the ship made its way around a place called Garraway Point, they sensed the Holy Spirit was prompting them to get off the ship. 
unknown to the Perkinses, there was a young man living in that region called Jasper Toe. He was a God-fearing man that practiced the religion rituals passed down by his ancestors, but he had never heard the name of Jesus. One night, as he looked into the night sky and prayed, God, if you are there, show yourself to me. Help me find you. As Jasper stood under the stars that night, a voice he had never heard spoke to him and said, Go to Garraway Beach, where you will see a box on the water with smoke coming out of it. And from that box on the water will come some people in a smaller box. The people in this small box will tell you how to find me. So Jasper Toe took everything he owned and walked for seven days nonstop, arriving on Garraway Beach on Christmas morning of 1908. From the shore, he saw a large black box, a steamship floating in the water with smoke coming up out of it. And that is when John Perkins and his wife sent the Holy Spirit saying, get off the ship here. When they went to the captain of the ship and asked him to let them off, he said, I can't let you off here. This is cannibal country. People go in there, never come back. But John Perkins insisted, God wants us to get off the boat now. So the captain reluctantly brought the steamship to a halt, lowered them down to the side of the ship where they got into their canoe and with all of their belongings rowed ashore in that little box. When they got to the shore, Jasper Toe was standing there waiting for them. They couldn't speak to each other. They didn't know each other's language. So he just motioned to them. And they, fo- he fo- and they followed him all the way home. Another seven-day hike to their village. They started the first church in Liberia, in Jasper's village. And he was their first convert. Those who knew Jasper Toe when he was alive described him as one of the most godly men they had ever met. And his legacy was the hundreds of churches he established in Liberia. Imagine for a minute if the Perkins had ignored that prompting of God. Imagine if they had decided to keep it, stay safe and stay on the boat. Faith is not faith until it is acted on. Isn't that great? It's a true story. This is where following Jesus leads us. It leads us to encounter. It leads us to family. And it leads us into mission. It leads us to, to practicing compassion. But here's the question. Who is your Jasper Toe? Where is God sending you? It might not be to the other side of the world but it might be to the other side of the street where you live. 
It might be that he's sending you to the other side of the room where you work. It might be that God is sending you to a group of friends you haven't made yet. It might be that God is sending you to, into a new workplace or to care for a neighbor. And it might not be that God is sending you to a place or to, to a people that is very different or un- to a place that is very uncomfortable for you. It might be that God is calling you to build family around common interests with people in this room. So hear me out, St. Catharines. I want you to bake. I want you to brew. I want you to take photographs. I want you to, to go for walks with your friends. I want you to find ways of fighting injustice and speaking up for equality. Litter pick, recycle, feed the homeless. Whatever it is that God is putting in your heart to do, do it. That's what practicing compassion looks like. Just don't do it alone. Find somebody in the church, find a way of doing it, and practice community while you go. That's what Jesus did. Having God's heart for the people and places in our lives means change in us and change in the world around us. I thought long and hard about how to wrap this series up, and we put a lot of time and effort into the way we've taught into all of these different subjects each week. But man, if there's one that I hope that we get, it's this one. If we get this, it's not just going to change us, it's going to change Dublin. And I think we have the power to do that. The potential as a group of people to do that. But it's going to mean discomfort at times. It's going to mean change. It's going to, it's going to involve being like the Perkinses and going with God when it seems like, gosh, can that really work? It's about trying new things. It's about going into the local schools here. It's about planting new churches. We just have to be obedient and go where God calls us to. We don't have to be afraid. This morning, one of the readings in our reading plan was from um, Matthew chapter 28. And I was struck by, particularly the end of the, 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 the chapter, it's kind of known, well known for being called the Great Commission. And I've never once noticed that the great call to go from Jesus himself to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples and to teach them to follow the ways of Jesus, it comes against the backdrop where it says Jesus appeared to them and some worshipped and some doubted. This call to go comes in a place of vulnerability and insecurity and not being 100% sure about everything. We just can't be. It's not possible. Let's stand together. So we're going to worship again in a couple of moments, but We've got maybe five, six minutes before the kids join us again from, from kids' group. 
I just want to encourage you just to be still before God. And close your eyes if that's helpful to do that. And I'd love to challenge you to say yes to God's call to go. To give your yes to God to be sent, whatever that means, wherever that leads, and whatever the cost. I'm not going to put words in your mouth that I don't want to make this a any kind of a manipulation of any kind. I just want to leave the space and time for you to do business with God and to pray that prayer. Here I am. Send me. Send me to the poor. Send me to the lonely. Send me across the street. Send me across my classroom. Send me across the office. Lord, show us what you're doing in every area of our lives so that we can join in. But we want to pray those prayers of show us your glorious presence, but we also want to pray the prayer of here I am, send me.